One of the recurring themes throughout scripture is the image of a garden or specifically a vineyard. Our story, both the Bible narrative and our origin as human beings starts in a garden. Later in Genesis, the image given to show that Pharaoh's cupbearer will be restored to office as a flowering and fruiting vine. In Deuteronomy, the enemies of Israel are depicted as a poisonous vine rooted in Sodom and Gomorrah. In the 80th Psalm, Israel is a vine that has been transplanted out of Egypt into the Promised Land. Jeremiah compares rebellious Israel to a wild vine which grows in a way not intended for by the vine dresser. In today's gospel, Jesus calls himself the true vine from whom all the families of believers draw their life. It is important to note that the writers of scripture specifically have a grapevine in view as they make these comparisons, that Jesus had a, uh, a grapevine in view. In the American Southeast, we are familiar with a variety of vines, some of which produce fruit, but many which do not. If you are like me, the first time you read John uh, 15 verse five, you may have had in mind a vine like kudzu or blackberries or some other wild vine that gets tangled up with other plants, creeps along the ground or takes over the facades of buildings. This image may be what Jeremiah had in view when, inspired by the Spirit, he writes that Israel is like a wild vine. The picture Jesus is giving us, however, is of a cultivated vine, a plant that is cared for and valued by the vine dresser for the fruit it bears. I looked up pictures of vineyards, and the grapevines don't run together, don't overspread the land, don't take over the sides of buildings. They are allowed to grow just as much as they need to produce fruit, given everything they need to be successful in producing fruit. Bearing fruit is a mark of health for a grapevine, but ivy, kudzu, jasmine, and other vine plants we may be familiar with in the South don't bear fruit. They flower, but they don't bear fruit. So we can miss that when Jesus says the branches that don't bear fruit are taken away, it is because these branches are at best unhealthy and at worst dead. It isn't simply that God, being the vine dresser, is removing branches that aren't up to his standard. He is removing dead branches that would otherwise hinder the rest of the vine. Today, we will look at what fruit God is looking for us to bear, what it means that Jesus is the true vine, and how we are to abide in Jesus. If bearing fruit is a mark of our being in Jesus, connected to the true vine, then what fruit is it that God is looking for us to bear? I know many of us grew up in different traditions from Anglicanism, including the various evangelical denominations. I grew up in the Churches of Christ. In high school and into early college, the emphasis on what was meant by fruit in passages like this always seemed to center around how many people you personally led to Christ. Being a fairly introverted person who has to work to engage others, this filled me with dread. Looking back, this view of conversion and discipleship being fruits of the Christian life is a natural outgrowth of the high emphasis that tradition places on preaching and personal evangelism. And to be sure, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ is a good work that all of us are called to do in some aspect. 
whether it is in the quiet day-to-day -day living of a faithful life, conversations with friends and neighbors, or preaching in pulpits. But our fruitfulness is not determined based upon how many people who we share the gospel with come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. As St. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. At the individual level, the fruit that is looked for is whether the gospel has changed me. Do I prefer the things of God over the things of this world? Do I love my neighbor as Jesus loves me? Does knowledge of the gospel provoke me to put away all idols, give to the poor and needy out of compassion, or forgive those who have hurt me deeply? Do I show mercy to those I could rule over and give up the opportunity to exert power to ensure that they are cared for and their dignity protected? Do I do the things Jesus showed me how to do in his care for his friends, the crowds, and even his enemies? If, being connected to the vine, the Lord gives me the gifts that make me a good evangelist, then an example of bearing fruit would be to use those gifts effectively for the upbuilding of Christ's church. Likewise, if someone else has given gifts that make them especially effective at showing hospitality, a different person may be given gifts to heal or to work wonders for the sake of Christ. A demonstration of their fruitfulness is their using the means and abilities God has given them for the mission of the church. This, in fact, is how the apparent tension between works and faith is resolved. A key to our abiding in Jesus, our remaining in him, is our faith. Because we remain in the faith once for all delivered to the saints, we will bear the fruit of righteous works. It is not that the works themselves save us, it is that the works testify to our faith. As St. James says, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. <coughs> Again, what saves us is not the works we do, but the faith we have, which causes us to abide in Jesus. I will say more about what this abiding means momentarily. The picture of Jesus as the vine shows us the frank reality of our situation and the truth of the hope that we have. As with a vine, fruit doesn't just spring up out of nothing. A branch which grows from the vine goes through development before it grows the fruit. And yet, a healthy branch will quickly grow to support fruit production and therefore bear fruit in due season. The branch cannot grow anything, either the leaves or buds or flowers, let alone fruit, if it doesn't receive nourishment from the vine. As the true vine, Jesus gives us his life so that we can grow in him, so that we can change from the way we once were into what we were called to be. The picture of Jesus as the vine is linked to him being the way, the truth, and the life. If the branches continue to be connected to the vine, they grow in accordance to the nutrients the vine gives to them. 
The sap that runs through the branch is the same sap that comes from the vine. It is not the sap of some other alien vine. The life that the branches have is wholly dependent on the vine, as the vine is their only source of sustenance. And the life that comes from the true vine is a life that will never run out. Instead of an earthly vine, which is dependent on limited nutrients in the soil around it, our vine is the source of life. Nothing can happen to this vine which will cause it to fail, which will cause us to fail. The life of the vine is communicated to the branches so that they can grow back and produce more and greater fruit after being pruned back following the previous harvest. This is like the trials and testings that God allows to happen to us so that we learn again to rely on him for our salvation rather than trying to win it for ourselves. Just as the healthy vine grows back and bears abundant fruit after the pruning, the faithful Christian who clings to Jesus in a season of spiritual silence, dryness, outer turbulence, or any of a number of trials we may face in this life, will find that they have joy, peace, self-control, and all the other fruits St. Paul talks about. The cleaning of the vine is the removal of those branches that are dead and therefore do not bear fruit. These represent those for whom the gospel has not changed them, though they have an outward life that appears faithful. These are the people who turn the liturgy into the vain repetitions we are often unjustly accused of making. The person who attends church on Sunday, but then is their own person throughout the week, and worse, sees no fault in the state of things. These branches stay connected to the vine, but their core is dry and dead, and no sap moves through them. To continue to receive life from the vine, Jesus says we must abide in him. What does this mean? Other translations render the word abide as remain. As I said earlier, our salvation is dependent not on our works, but in our faith. In the picture that Jesus is painting, you can think of abiding like being faithful. It is keeping our heart open to the will of God. This gospel passage has been a point of focus for clergy in our diocese since Synod last November. At the clergy conference that preceded Synod, Father Ben and I participated with our fellow clergy in seeking to hear what God was telling us for the sake of our ministries, our parishes, and the future of our work as Anglican Christians in communion together in the Gulf Atlantic Diocese. In November, the clergy at the conference discerned that abide here can carry a connotation of peaceful waiting in the Lord. We felt that as a whole, that the past several years had been very short on peace. And often it seemed that the rapid changes around us made waiting difficult. We heard the spirit telling us that not only did the clergy need rest, but the people needed rest as well. There are a variety of ways we can rest in Jesus. To me, Prayer is at the root of what abiding rest in this life looks like. All of the examples I can think of resting in Jesus come back to some form of prayer. And I don't mean that you are constantly whispering intercessions as you go about your day, or while you sit in a chair, or as you drift off. Though if that is how the Lord leads you, I'm not going to tell you to stop. What I mean is maintaining a posture of submission towards God 
and simply listening for his voice. This can be done in set aside times of meditation, during prayer walks, in the middle of doing the daily offices, or really any time you feel you need a break. Just say, Jesus save me, and sit in silence and breathe. And yet, abiding does not only mean rest or mean a purely passive approach to life. Abiding in John chapter 15 simply means to remain, wait, stay in the Lord Jesus. This is whether we are at leisure at home on the couch, enjoying time with friends, family, coworkers, or just being around people, or if we are working hard at some task. St. Paul says, whatever you do, do for the Lord. And that is a principle we should remember when we consider what it means to abide in the Lord. As a parish, we have once again been presented with the challenge of having to find a stable meeting place. There is a temptation to fear and anxiety at the state of the real estate market, the cost of building on land or buying an existing building, or remembering challenges from past moves and past locations. And yet, if we abide in Jesus, he tells us that we will bear much fruit. The way we abide in Jesus during this challenge is to ask God to deliver us, to listen for his voice in the temptation to worry, and to pray for the vestry and Father Ben that they would be led in a way that remains in Jesus. Be bold in your prayers for this parish and see what abundant fruit the Lord grows in us. I have not said much so far about the branches that do not abide in the vine, which are cast off as branches and then gathered up for the fire. These are branches which are not just not bearing fruit, they have left the vine entirely. In the picture of the vine and the branches, these are branches which have dropped off the vine before they could be pruned by the vine dresser. Their separation from the vine is so thorough that they could not remain connected to the vine any longer. In earthly plants, branches will sometimes be dropped by the main stem as a means of protecting the rest of the plant from disease or wasting nutrients in hot, dry conditions. Yet, as I said earlier, the life that Jesus gives as the true vine is not dependent on outside nutrients. Our vine has no need of dropping limbs to protect himself. What happens instead is actually absurd. These branches choose to detach from the vine which gives them life. The branches choose to follow their own path as if they could find life on their own. Being so deceived, they leap off the vine and find they can go no further and that they have no capacity to root themselves. Where once they had eternal life and infinite possibility in the will of God, they now have numbered days and know their end only too well. These branches, of course, stand for all false teachers and their disciples, all schismatics who divide the church for the sake of pride and those who refuse repentance and reconciliation with their brothers and sisters, all apostates and those who deny the Son of God before men. These have removed themselves from the life-giving vine that is Jesus Christ. And since there is no other source of life, no health to be found elsewhere on this earth, they find no sustenance and have no energy. 
They last for a time as the life drains away from them, but ultimately are unable to continue, and finally they wither and die. Their only chance is to overcome pride, repent of their wanderings, and hope to be grafted once again into the true vine. However, for us who remain connected to the vine, we continue in eternal life. We bear fruit in accordance with God's will, and though this body dies, we will be made fully alive at the resurrection. Our collect for this week asks God to pour into our hearts such love towards him that we, loving him in all things and above all things, may obtain his promises, which exceed all that we can desire. This can only happen if we remain connected to the vine, if we are receiving life and health and peace from God through Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. The promises that we seek to obtain are themselves a fruit that we somehow bear, even as they are given to us as gifts. May we always abide in the true vine, our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we may bear much fruit. Amen.